You are listening to the Galena Missions Podcast, the preaching ministry of Galena Bible Church. Follow along as we study God's Word together. Well, I'm Ross Kinsey. I'm the youth pastor here. And I'm very excited to be filling in today for Chris and even Martin, who's also gone, and anchoring our Come, Share, Grow, Go sermon series. And if you weren't here four weeks ago, or maybe you've forgotten because a lot of life happens between now and then, we're talking about those four words, come, share, grow, and go, as kind of the ethos or mission and vision of our church. So that for those of us who come here regularly, we can know kind of what we're about. We can know how we do life together. We can know how we do life for community. And people who don't know us can see those four words and know, okay, what are they about? How, how do they do things? So I've got go today. I've got that. And we're going to look back on the other tenants as well. I'm also excited because I'm the youth pastor, and I live in a very narrow thing of ministry on Wednesday nights. Uh, For those of you who don't join us, the kids come in around 7 o'clock, and we play a game. Uh, Hopefully they enjoy it. They can weigh in on that. They're right there. But we play a game, and then we uh, do uh, some live worship like today, and then we go through my talking portion, my preaching. Then we have small groups and kind of kick around what we're talking about so they could uh, engage with the content, push back on it, give ideas. And then we end with some uh, kind of open time, whether some free time to hang out and play or good conversations happen to carry those forward. But all that happens in 75 minutes. 75, it's very consolidated. So I'm usually speaking up here for like 25 minutes tops, 20 minutes normally. So to stretch out and get at least 30 minutes or 40 minutes for a sermon, okay, I can prove to myself I can still do this. You know, they, tra- they train me to do this. I'm going to see if I can still do this. Um, but also, th- thirdly, most important to me, I have a soft spot for ghost stories. I do. It's Halloween. I've kind of a thematic thing we're going with today. It's definitely my guilty pleasure. And I mean guilty because uh, not too long ago I was with my parents, hanging out with them. I was at their house. I'm definitely a grown man by this point. Uh, but I've got some time to kill so turn on the TV and turn on to just what's going on. And there's a, the ghost story TV show. And it's not just any. It's, it's my favorite one. So I have the dramatization of the cheesy actors and low budget productions and then the uh, interviews people. So I'm like, I'm definitely watching this. Yeah, I'm going there. But as I'm turning it, my parents have a large open area of the living room with a really high ceiling so everything carries. And I can hear my dad typing when in the office in the computer. So I know I can hear what I'm about to watch. I'm low-key embarrassed. So I turn down the volume and uh, I, I let it stay there. And even when my ears kind of had the, the volume and the typing kind of match, I was like, I'm not going to change the channel. I'm not that embarrassed. So it's my guilty pleasure. I stay with it. But I'm a little embarrassed about it, but it's Halloween. So today we're going to look at 1 Samuel 28. You have a Bible you can turn there, and we've got plenty on the shelf over there. A lot of good translations, but it's kind of a ghost story within the New Testament. Or I'm sorry, within the Old Testament. That this happens during Saul's reign, and Saul and David, uh, and by extension Samuel, have a very tumultuous history with one another throughout uh, 1 Samuel. In fact, if Netflix ever picked up a, a special on the Bible, this would be a great place to go because you have everything. You have war, you have love, you have people running away and hiding, you have treachery. Like everything that makes a great story, an epic story, is right here in the Saul and David narrative. And so today we're focusing on Saul 20, um, 1 Samuel 28, coming to near the end of Saul's life. And we're going to pick up in verse 3. 
And we're going to try to follow the pattern that I laid out about my favorite ghost stories, right? Where you have uh, an interview with someone, you kind of have uh, what's going on, but you also have the dramatization, you have the story taking place. So we're going to break this up into chunks. I'm not going to read the whole thing outright. You know, I think anyone's eyes would glaze over writing 25 verses straight through or so. So we're going to take this little by little and chunk by chunk. And before we get started in verse 3, we need a little backstory, right? Because you can't just pop in a ghost story. It doesn't make sense. You've got to know what's going on. So at this point in time, Saul and David are still at odds. David has kind of been coronated as next king as a young man. He's already slayed Goliath, if you know that story. Uh, but he's also married to Saul's daughter. He's Saul's son-in-law. He's also Saul's son, Jonathan's best friend. So this guy's in thick with Saul's family. And that might seem like a good recipe to be, you know, buddy-buddy, except Saul gets jealous of David. Saul and David have some contention. And Saul tries to kill David not once, but twice. And at that point, you can see how friendship goes sour. You know, right? you see how no, you want to stick around. So with the help of Saul's daughter and son, David escapes, and he goes on the lamb. But he doesn't just keep a low profile. He becomes almost a mercenary. He gets hired out by the Philistines to do warfare. And if you know David's life, you know he's pretty good at doing warfare. Like that's, that's what the guy can do really well. In fact, in verse 2, as he's talking to his new boss, his hired out uh, king of Gath, uh, the king is like, you're going to come with us and our, our bodyguard for this battle. And it's almost like David cracks his knuckles and cracks his neck and says, good, you will find out what your servant can do. He's waiting to get a crack at this. It's like payback day. He's ready for this. And so with this being the stage, let's see what happens. Verse 3, by this time Samuel had died, and all of Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, the city. And Saul had removed this medium spiritualist from the land. The Philistines came together and camped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel, and they camped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the Philistine camp, he was afraid and trembled violently. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer, in his dreams, or by the Urim, or by the prophets. Saul then said to his servants, Find me a woman who is a medium, so I can go consult her. His servants replied, There's a woman at Endor who is a medium. I'm going to stop there. So when we first get introduced to Saul, he's doing the right stuff. As the king of Israel, he's, he's on the battle lines. He's where he should be. He's at battle camp. As the king of Israel, he's going to consult the Lord by the appropriate means, by dreams, by the Urim, which is an Old Testament thing, even like the book of Exodus. It's a way to just to divine the will of the Lord uh, way back then, and by the prophets. And these are like hired prophets. These are prophets that are on the royal court that kind of their job is to interpret things for the king so you can do things well. So he's doing all of that. He's doing everything right. But he's not getting what he wants. And in this, this small section of Saul doing things well you can see that he's actually done a good thing by kicking the spiritualists and mediums out. That's something that the Lord said not to do to the people of Israel in Exodus. About don't, or even Deuteronomy, I'm sorry. Don't do that in the land you're going to. Don't consult with those people. So he's done all these good things. He's done the things right. But then his fear gets the best of him. Then he starts to tremble. Then he starts going. He starts going back on his word. He had said... No spiritualists, no mediums, like kicking them out. He actually put them to death. And then he's starting to say, whoa, whoa, hold on. I could use one of those right now. And he starts asking around, where, where can I find one of these people? Where can I find a spiritualist or a medium? And lo and behold, they know where to find one. They say, oh, go to Endor. So let's see what he does next. Verse 8. 
Saul disguised himself by putting on different clothes and set out with two of his men. They came to the woman at night, and Saul said, Consult a spirit for me. Bring up for me the one I tell you. But the woman said to him, You surely know what Saul has done, how he has killed the mediums and the spiritualists in the land. Why are you setting a trap for me to get me killed? Then Saul swore to her by the Lord, As surely as the Lord lives, nothing bad will happen to you because of this. Who is it you want me to bring up to you? The woman asked. We'll stop there. So Saul starts going back on his word. He goes back on what he knows is right, what the Lord commanded, and goes to see a medium. But then he starts physically going. Now he's going to find her. And he's disguising himself. He's enshrouding himself with different clothes. And he's going to this woman. He goes to her house. And then when he's talking to her about soliciting her, her services as a medium, he does something very egregious. He swears on the Lord that nothing will happen to her. And that's pretty bad because the Lord had even said specifically, don't do this. The Lord has said back in Deuteronomy, don't consult these people. And, and Saul, in his power, which he doesn't have the authority to do, says, no, 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 by the Lord you will be fine. It's a very egregious act he did right there. But it doesn't stop. Things keep progressing. Verse 12. I'm sorry, continue on to verse 11. Bring up Samuel for me, he answered. Verse 12. When the woman saw Samuel, she screamed. And she said to Saul, why did you deceive me? You are Saul. But the king said to her, don't be afraid. What do you see? I see a spirit form coming up out of the earth, the woman answered. Saul then asked her, what does he look like? An old man is coming up, she replied. He's wearing a robe. Then Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed his face to the ground and paid homage. Samuel says, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Samuel asked Saul. And we'll stop there. So some of you in the crowd are like me. I've known you guys since May, and so I know there are some thinkers in this room who like to connect dots every time you get a chance. And so if we're in the Bible talking about a ghost story and talking about a spirit, there might be the temptation to say, wait, time out. What does this mean about haunted houses? What does it mean about you know, the spiritual realm like that? Um, because we're reading it here in the Bible. So I just want to take a brief pause into that. Um, if you're thinking about Halloween and haunted houses and ghosts and things that go bump in the night, this story doesn't necessarily mean that that's, that's all what's going on, what there is. Because on the far side of things, like say if you were a, a person who was very, very, very literal, like literal six-day creation, very literal what's going on, uh, the woman bringing up a spirit from the dead, her bringing them out is not the same as a haunting. As if when no one's around, spirits are moving around, they're doing their own thing, they're going bump in the night. Like that's not the same as literally digging into the spiritual world and bringing someone out. And we see that Samuel didn't like this. This was an egregious act against him. He said, why are you disturbing by doing this? So in this regard, it's not the same as researching our theology to haunted houses. But on the other side of things, the literary criticism side, that's not literary cynicism, it's just criticism, saying that the Bible is written through different literary means. There's prophecy, there's poetry, there's parables with Jesus, uh, there's all these different things in the Old Testament, like land grants and war reports that make up the compendium of the Old Testament. And so when people see stories like this story, in verse 28, it seems a bit out of place from verse 3 on. Like if you had read verse 28, or chapter 28, verses 1 and 2, skipped to chapter 29, the story flows continuously. 
There's no need for what we're reading to advance anything going on, which means that there's a specific point to the story. There's almost an encapsulation to be made here about Saul. And I would argue as well, the main point of this story is not ghosts, it's not Samuel being brought out, it's Saul and his character. And we'll see that in a few minutes. That's kind of the, the hinge point on the go part of what we're looking at today. But Saul's character is on display here, and this ghost story is a driving vehicle to see that out. So for either way, we don't need to really restructure our thoughts on what goes bump in the night or anything around ghosts in that manner. But the main point here in this section is that he went to Samuel. So he's going away from camp, he's going back on his word, he's going against what the Lord has said, and he's going to Samuel, who was his old mentor. See, Saul and Samuel had a very thick history together. Samuel's the one who went and found Saul and coronated him as king. Samuel was the high priest and had walked with Saul as he was giving his kingly duties. Samuel was the one who, when he came to Saul, saw that uh, Saul had done treacherously to the Lord and not filled his vow of vengeance against Amalek, which we'll see soon. And for that reason, Samuel said, because of what you did, the Lord has left you in favor, and so will I as well. And so there was a big falling out with Samuel. Samuel was Saul's last great mentor, for as best as we can see in the Bible. No one replaced him. So when Samuel is, I'm sorry, when Saul is at his wit's end, when he's afraid, he is going back to the ghost of his literally dead mentor. So he never replaced Samuel in his life. He never replaced a person to have a closeness with himself and God to help him do the kingly duties well. He's going back to what was. And let's finish our story here now. Continuing on in verse 15. I'm in serious trouble, replied Saul. The Philistines are fighting against me, and God has turned away from me. He doesn't answer me anymore, either through the prophets or in the dreams. So I've called you to tell me what I should do. Samuel answered, Since the Lord has turned away from you and become your enemy, why are you asking me? The Lord has done exactly what he said through me. The Lord has torn the kingship out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David. You did not obey the Lord and did not carry out his wrath against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this to you today. The Lord will also hand over the Israelites to the Philistines along with you. Tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me, and the Lord will hand Israel's army over to the Philistines. Now, if you're Saul, that's the creepiest thing you could hear. In fact, the next verse, he actually does collapse, being told, you're going to die tomorrow. By the way, you and your, and your sons, you're going to die, your, your army's going to lose, and that makes him lose heart completely, and he collapses. But in that, you see that Samuel's showing that Saul, you're going to your grave. The last place for Saul to go. Like, tomorrow you're going to the grave. You've gone so many places today, Saul, and tomorrow you're going to be going to the ultimate place. And that concludes the ghost story portion. Uh, but if you're, as I mentioned, out there thinking connections like Ross, we're talking about come, share, grow, go. What does that have to do with the ghost story? So long as I promise I'm not going to do a Ouija board tonight or seek out a spiritualist or anything, it seems like there's pretty low-hanging fruit. I just don't got to do this, and I'm fine, right? Well, let's look at the whole encapsulation of what's going on. With Samuel and Saul, they came together. Saul was sought out by Samuel and made king. 
And after that, they shared. They shared a lot of time together. The Bible records, records a lot of it, but not everything. There were several years they were together. And they shared the highs, the lows. They shared uh, victories in battle. Maybe even shared the birth of Saul's children, which is a very big deal as well. And so they shared life. And then the question remains, did they grow though? Did Saul grow from that? I don't think he did. I don't think Saul actually grew. Or grew. As I was saying, if you look at our verses uh, 3 through what we just read, this is an encapsulation of Saul's life. If you, look at, if you only knew Saul through this story, you would see the full picture of Saul. Let's just look, take it all the way back to the beginning. He was doing things right. He had kicked out mediums and the spiritualists. But then in his fear, he starts to go back. Well, that's not new to Saul. When, when he lost favor with the Lord, uh, when he didn't hold back with what he should have given over to the Lord with Amalek, that was Samuel's charge. It was like, you have not done right by the Lord. You've acted treacherously. And Saul tries to justify himself. He says, but I was scared of the men. I was scared of what my camp would do if I didn't give him these things. The fear of the people led to his downfall in the Lord's sight. And so here he's doing the same thing. His fear of losing makes him go back on what he knows is right and seek out things that the Lord does not like. And then, after that, in verse 8, he actually leaves. But he doesn't leave, he, just, he disguises himself. He hides himself. If you know Saul's life, you know that when he was coronated king, when Samuel wasn't looking for him, Samuel had been traveling with him. Samuel was like his ride. He knew Saul was there. But Saul hid. Saul didn't step out bravely for his coronation with his chest up and his head high. He made himself small. He hid himself. And they actually had to go find him. They had to go and find Saul and bring him out and say, you are the king of Israel. He was leaving his kingly duties behind and hiding. And in verse 8, he's doing the same thing. He's leaving his kingly duties. He's leaving the battle camp. And he's changing his clothes and trying to make himself disappear. And just like in verse 10, when he swears by the Lord, he's acting treacherously to the Lord. Just like when he fell out of favor with Samuel. When he shouldn't have done what he did. When he should have handed more things over to the Lord and held back on the Lord. Uh, He's doing that again. His character keeps progressing. I mean, I'm sorry, it doesn't progress. His character is the same from the, same, from the Saul you see earlier to now. He's the same guy. He has not grown. Even his relationships are the same. Samuel, when called up, he's asking, why are you bothering me? What's going on? And he's like, the Lord isn't talking to me. The Lord isn't saying these things to me. I'm trying to do things right. But the Lord is not with me. Samuel says, you bonehead, I told you this when I was alive. I told you that this is not going to happen. I told you he was giving this over to David, who you're still at war with, you're still fighting with. Saul hadn't fixed that relationship. He hadn't fixed a relationship with the Lord. He hadn't fixed a relationship with David. He's still the same guy he was in every chapter beforehand in this story, encapsulated. And here at GBC, we don't want to be like Saul. We don't want you guys to be like Saul. We don't want where if you come to Galena just for teach or as students because as a youth pastor, you're all going to leave me at some point. You're all going to graduate. And I hope you do. I hope you actually get out of here and graduate and do great things with your life. But I only know I have you for so long. And every teaching staff only has you for so long. And everyone who comes here probably is going to leave here. Most likely. So we don't want you to have the life where you came before Galena. And then you just cover it up, Galena, and you leave, you're the same person. Remember I was talking about this story? If you cover this story up, 
after verse 2 and skip it and go to chapter 29, it's, it just flows. It's the same thing. Which is kind of hard to see in the English, or in the, uh, actually kind of hard to see in the Hebrew, because the Hebrew, it's all one column. There's no punctuation. There's no, there's no title, chapter, verse. It just is. So you can definitely just do that and see like, hmm, okay, same story right here. So here in our, our sections today, we can kind of see that more easily, but we don't want that to be true of your life. We want there to be growth that happens with you as a person here coming to Galena Bible Church. And the bar is appropriate to you. I just want to throw it out there because a lot of times people here grow and go. They might think, okay, the best, biggest thing I do with my life for the Lord, right? Will I go to Africa and serve in missions? Will I tithe 20% of my life or 20% of my money? Like, let's just be real. Some of us come here broken people. Some of us come here with a lot of baggage. And growth doesn't mean that you're going to be the most high-functioning Christian that people will write about for centuries. It just means when you leave here or when you're coming here, you're a little emotionally more healthy. You're spiritually more healthy. You have these things to where you can leave here a little stronger than you came. And that's still growth. Even if Saul had done one of those things, repaired his relationship with David, repaired his relationship with the Lord, sought a new mentor so he didn't have to go seek a ghost, um, didn't hide himself when he left. He'd done one of those things, he would have shown growth. But he did none of those things. He was still the same guy through and through from the first day we saw him, which is a tragedy. It's a travesty, sorry. So come, share, grow, go. Uh, they also work. I, I keep pointing that we have a, a slideshow. Sorry, technical difficulties. If you can see it in my mind's eye, come, share, grow, go. But they go in a linear fashion, right? You can't share where you're not at. Like, I can't share potluck with you guys. I can't share talents and, and, and stuff like that. If Jared didn't come every Sunday and actually play for us or Wednesday nights, we couldn't have his talents being shared. So you have to come in order to share. And once you share, we would hope you would grow, that you would make friendships, that you would have uh, cross-talk, cross-community, that you would come to things we put on, like the chosen Bible study, the Tuesday morning prayer, any other Bible studies, Wednesday night groups, and everything for youth. Uh, but just by doing that, by sharing the time, we're trying to make a place where you can grow. We're trying to facilitate that. Because we all know, eventually, we will go. We'll go from Galena... We'll go to bigger and better places, hopefully. Or, in kind of the more macabre, but the real life talk, we could go to the grave. Even if we stay here our whole life, like Saul learned at the very end of our story, you're going to the grave, my friend. Tomorrow it's happening. So there's going to be a go. We don't always get to choose when we go or how we go, but it's going to happen. And so as your home church here, we want to facilitate that in your life. We don't want you to go to the ghost of your past, right? I know there are a lot of people here from great communities. Uh, myself and my wife talk about the church we went to in Colorado all the time. We miss them all the time. But we don't call them up for our spiritual moorings. Like we don't, we don't zoom in to them. We don't watch their sermons all the time So to keep us spiritually grounded. We're plugged in here. And we'd hope the same would be true as you're in our community as well. That you would meet people, whether myself, Chris Martin, or anyone else in the congregation, who can keep you going and keep being that mentor, that, that iron sharpening iron, as time goes on. Because I think we would all agree that we would feel like we missed out if we weren't your living mentor. Or your living buddy, your living friend. We don't want you to come back and call those ghosts up. And it now comes to the go part as well. So come, share, grow, 
go. Some of us will be called to do big things. Some of us will be called to go and serve in big ways and do great things. Um, But as you look back and do those, we don't want to be that person as well. That ghost that you call up to keep making it. I talked about uh, the ghost you bring with you to Galena, but we don't want to be that place that you keep looking back to and lamenting and trying to come back. We want to send you in growth to be someone who's self-sustained or knows how to plug in a new place holistically. So not too spooky for a ghost story, right? Not, not too much fun with the night. Not too many things that can change our perception too crazily. Uh, but as we go forward in our community, it's helpful to know where people are at in this continuum. It's helpful to know who, as we engage with people, if they just need to come, or if they just need to share, or just need to grow, or maybe even go. Some people have been here a long time, but some people just haven't left yet, and that's fine. Uh, but we always encourage people to take that next step and walk with them as they do. And as a church, we want to have our doors open for that. And as a congregation, we want to be mindful of that. So always meet people in that season they're in. So being a youth pastor, like I said, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, very succinct. I think I've made my point. You know, I'm trying not to kick a dead horse or anything. And it's not rocket science or anything. But... Um, as we go forward this Halloween and hopefully enjoy our time together with our family, with our friends, in the coming weeks and months and maybe even years, I hope that these four words do encapsulate, yes, Melissa Snark laughing, there's nothing not here, not here. But I hope these four words do encapsulate our heart as a congregation. And I want to reiterate something Chris said four weeks ago, that we're talking about this now, but it's not set in stone. So there are things that you're thinking about that need to be maybe uh, touched on more deeply or maybe changed. Please bring that up. We want to have an ethos as a church community that everyone can buy into and everyone has a say in. So these four words, come, share, grow, go, as great as they are, they're not set in stone yet. We want your input. We want to be able to vote on it as a, as a church family and make it a thing. Um, but let us know what you think about it or if you have any distractions or, or any dissension from it. So with that said, I'm going to pray and we're going to do potluck and we're going to practice sharing our time and coming together and maybe even growing before we go out and enjoy our Halloween. So Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you that you make things clear for us. I thank you that um, in Saul's life, though it was not perfect, we can find a way uh, how not to be and to be closer to you. And I pray, Lord, that as we think about all the ways that we can come together that we can share, that we can grow, and that we can go, that we can just be anchored together to know that it's all of us, Lord. It's not just someone else's burden to grow. It's not someone else's burden to go and share. It's all of ours together. And I thank you that this message came on Halloween, on a time when people will be gathering together and sharing time and uh, maybe growing in the midsection as we eat so many candies, Lord. But I just pray, God, that you would just see us through this and that as a congregation we can take these things to heart and to bless our community in a way that is organic and caring and uh, of your heart and of your spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've been blessed by the hearing of God's Word. Feel free to connect with us at www.galenabiblechurchak.com and subscribe to this podcast at iTunes or at galenamissions.podbean.com.